G'day guys, welcome back to the Half Century, episode 50, Money in the Tank. Who would have thought we would have ever got there? And that brings up his 50. And he's coming back for another one. And he's just home. He's decided to turn it on. Michael Bevan, 38, one day international 50. And he's fourth against New Zealand. And boy, he's enjoying it. cricket so we're not in cricket attire today but i'm sure we'll brad will make up a few ca uh, cartoons of us uh, holding cricket bats and hats um great to have all the listeners back and uh, the tankers and uh, thanks for sticking with us and uh, it's great to see uh, i guess uh, how we're growing and how we're sort of getting uh, some great questions through and the algorithms of people listening and um you know we'd love to be able to touch on today about where we're going to take the podcast and uh, and some of the information that we want to catch up on and, and talk about today so uh, without further ado uh, Joel Siege principal advisor Harp FG in my bottom screen here we've got Arnie yeah Arnie finance professional how you going and uh Brad journalist and style guy fantastic so we've got a great podcast to take you guys through today so we're going to cover off on the RBA raising rates again, and the uh, the the Fed overnight, I believe, as well, as well raising rates. Um, so, in terms of touching on those things, we're going to touch on some of the Tesla news. It seems every week that's a regular occurrence. So, uh, Arnie will touch touch base on some Tesla stuff uh, and some quick fire rapid items. And Brad's going to give us some general updates as well. Um, so, looking forward to touching on a few things today. We're ripping. Uh, what's your choice for the fiftieth? Uh, episode today so it's going to be an australian themed uh what's your choice today so keep an eye for that one at the end of the podcast uh, but without further ado let's get stuck into rivkin's quotes i'm in the office today so i don't have the bible with me but i do have a great one that i've found uh online so it is a documented fact that the best traders are the traders who don't trade when there is no trading to be done it's only the trade junkies who trade at all times and so there should be times when you do nothing so there's a lot of traders and trade in there, but uh, hopefully that broke through and you guys understood <laughs> there what that means. It means sitting on your hands and necessarily not doing things or not doing things for the sake of doing things is actually not a bad thing. Agree. Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, yeah. Okay. So action through inaction. Rivkin is uh, advocating for patience when trading. Yeah. Patience is a virtue. It's very okay, hard to spoke about to beat the markets. It's very hard yeah. to try to trade in and out and get arbitrage and whatnot it can be done but a lot of the time the easiest pattern the easiest way to go is to not do anything at all well i mean you know you've obviously got the the option to just consistently dcan or like you know when we were talking about the other day with um, adam on the show when every asset class is absolutely uh getting smashed and i had 10 banking mates over from Singapore for the cricket, which did end up very well with UK versus Australia, but over on the weekend, and we are just talking, uh, they were finance guys, and every single one of them was like, not one person around the world knows what to do at the moment. So, yeah, Rifkin might have, uh, might have some intelligence. <laughs> talking from the grave. Talking from the grave. Before we throw to you, Arnie, uh, uh, sorry, Brad, uh, Arnie, where can, uh, where can the group, uh, where can the tankers get us at? Where can everyone find us at? Yeah, please get us at Money in the Tank on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, newly acquired Twitter, so yeah, we're still, yeah we're gonna talk about some plans for those social medias this pod. But yeah, we got a blue tick, Arnie, or what? No, we don't have a blue tick, and I don't know if we should pay for one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let's get stuck into today's episode. Nice, short, sharp one. So, Brad, do you want to fire away with what we're starting off today on? Sure. I mean, number one, piggy banks at six bucks. Just letting you know. 
Ebank interruption six bucks. <laughs> so Wait, from here who's, on, who's copped one? Oh, you mean from last week? No, last one. Last week. Yeah, because there's already been a few interruptions. So there has been. So <laughs> from next week, it's going to be the start. Now we start. We, what we do is the front section of it. Interruptions, okay. 50-50, okay. In the middle, not okay. Um, so from now on, interruptions, money in the bank. No way. You're, you're getting pinged for that one two seconds ago. You can't just make up the rule after you've done interruption. <laughs> no. All right, 50th. <laughs> 50th. No That's more interruptions, Arnie. Thank you very much. Um, so, oh, jolly. Um, no, I, won't, I won't do it. I'll pull back. Um, so 50th, we've made it, which is kind of crazy. I mean, I only jumped in halfway through that, so I can't really take take full credit. Um, but I thought uh, we were all having a bit of a think. It's a good milestone to kind of step back and have a look at the analytics and um, see where we're acquiring new people from, see where we're getting kind of users dropping off or watching and what sort of episodes you seem to like and like more or less like. Um, and so, you know, when we'll catch up before, um, we're thinking about continuing the weekly videos, um, more around market updates and keep trying to get them short, sharp, concise. Um, and then we thought about bringing in um, guests. We all know that you like guests. So, you know, we're going to bring, bring in, um, personally, I'm going to be bringing in a few guests, um, hopefully uh, some startup kind of advisors, XVC guys from San Fran, some VC guys from the US, um, and Joel's cousin again, um, who does kind of angel investing here in Melbourne. So, and then try and bring on some CEOs of startups that kind of I know. Um, and start seeing if that kind of, you know, any of that information resonates with anybody um, and see kind of how you feel about that. Um, and then outside of that, each one of us kind of has our own subject matter experts or kind of things that we do outside of um, the pod differently. And so we'll all start making um, our own content as well and just kind of throwing that up ad hoc um, and see kind of what value that brings. Um, so that's kind of what we're thinking around. 50th and, and forward on and so I guess like you know before I throw onto the boys to kind of add in whatever their thoughts are and their thoughts on the first 50 episodes um just wanted to say like if you've got any feedback in relation to kind of you know that format um or subjects you'd like us to kind of bring in guests for um please let us know um I'll throw to Arnie first yeah thanks mate it's been a quite the journey and I feel like you're selling yourself short a bit because even though Joel and I you know kicked it off i feel like since you came on board we've really pulled together a bit more professionalism so appreciate you appreciate jolly though as well for being willing to chat shit every week it's been good and um i i just really enjoy doing this like i feel like it's just fun for me i like talking to you boys about finance because i know i think i've said this on the pod in the past but i don't have many outlets to bend people's ears about this and i know my wife gets sick to death of me talking about it so having an outlet to chat with you guys about it has been great and i hope the tankers get some value out of it i love interacting with um with with you know the people who, who enjoy the pod and uh like you said brad i'm looking forward to expanding our content into more, more specialization so still still having the pod like to catch up like we do but i think interviews i think maybe having some um, series of videos on investing and our different approaches. That's sort of where I want to focus my attention in the future and try and get some more free time to dedicate to the pod and, and how we interact and engage with people online. So going to try and do like uh, maybe like a bit of a news resolution early at our 50th pod to uh, try and engage better on social media, but looking forward today to talking about the Twitter acquisition and um, what, what's, what else we see on the horizon in terms of investment and, 
how we're going about it and, and any other topic coming forward. So, yeah, Jolie, what do you reckon? Yeah, absolutely, mate. It's, we've come a long way from recording uh, on a microphone, uh, not even visual. We started off with audio only um, through, uh, what was the program we used? I forget now, but it was... It was uh, called It's called Audacity. Audacity, that's right. Yeah, so just recording and feeling quite strange about talking into a microphone, knowing that you're on the other end, but I couldn't see you. Um, but it's been fun. It's been a fun journey and um, have loved it. I mean, love being able to give back to people and be able to, you know, I'm in the, the finance industry, so be able to sort of help give some general knowledge and information to help people make smart choices and decisions that we don't uh, we don't always get in front of or be able to see because we can't sort of unfortunately in our industry be all things to all people, but to be able to give some general information to help people on their journey, I, I, I find that uh, rewarding. Um, so it's been a great part about the podcast for me and catching up with you guys, of course, every week. And then, as you said, Brad, coming on about halfway through and, and revitalizing things and kind of giving new ideas to formats and the best way to, to be able to try to help record moving forwards, um, you know, trying to stop each other from interrupting each other, um, <laughs> ha having a laugh, keeping it fun, having, you know, having good levity um, and getting guests on. I really enjoy that. So that's one thing I want to try to sort of pull on the resources that I've got in the finance world to get, you know, guests on at least once a month, uh, if not maybe a couple of times, just because I feel like they bring a different dynamic to the podcast and we're able to, you know, hit into niche areas and, and and specific stuff, so then listeners will know who's coming on and what they can what they can hear about, what they can learn about today, and now that'll be a niche area. So um, that's what I'm looking forward to. Love it. I love that. Love yeah. it. Love it. Love it. So yeah, well, I guess watch your space. Um, and again, any topics, you know, whether it's who knows more because there's things obviously that we can talk about. Um, there's some subjects that probably are hard to talk about due to professions. Um, and so if you want, <laughs> if you want. Uh, you know, discussions around more tax or more, you know, I don't know, mortgages, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, just throw it throw it down and um, we can look at getting some guests around those spaces, which will kind of allow some of the... Uh, yeah, and you can get us on any of the media as well. So Facebook, um, YouTube, any, any way, email, you can get us any, any way. We'll be able to try to get back to you and, uh, and try to include that in a podcast or Q&A or whatever it may be. Yep, done. All right, moving on. Short, sharp, succinct. Uh, Twitter. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. So, I mean, probably the last time probably that we're nearly speaking about Twitter since... Uh, Can't invest was, in it anymore. Yeah, so it was probably an interruption. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll cop the two bucks for that one. <laughs> I, think I'm, I think I'm leading the, the $2 interruption. I think I'm up to like six or eight. I'm fine with that. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, pay the, I'll pay the fee. <laughs> Oh, wow. I love it. Uh, but yeah, last, last, last time um, in relation to, kind of, you know, we're not able to invest in it. So uh, the, the great god Elon Musk has, has got it all. And so I thought um, we'll probably have a quick chat and a bit, bit of a yarn and each personal opinion. I thought it'd be interesting to kind of throw out there and uh, each one of us give our personal opinion about uh, the saga and uh, where was the investment opportunity. Um, some kind of learnings from it and uh, maybe quick wrap up from where, where you see it going from here. Um, I'll kick off mine, which is, um, I wish I did the arbitrage <laughs> uh, op on it, which I think, you know, is trading into the thirties, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and the final price was Arnie, 50, what was the final price? 54.20 a share. Obviously, Elon having, mm. having a little gag with his 4.20 there. There you go. Um, and, you know, that's a, quite a large arbitrage. 
Uh, but, you know, there was risks associated with it. Elon's a... Um, in my opinion, a character. Volatile <laughs> character. Um, a fan, a bit of a... Yeah, you, you don't know what's going to happen next. Um, you don't know what he's going to pull, where his mind's at, what legal <clears throat> tricks he's got off his um, sleeve, um, how else he was going to railroad the company. Um, and so, you know... We had a risk associated, and that's why there was such a large risk associated with it, even though there was an offer that was accepted at 5420, a trade in the 30s at, at some point. That's how much people didn't think the um, I guess the trade was going to go through. I guess my learnings are look at those arbitrage um, opportunities a bit harder in the future rather than just kind of writing them off for myself. Um, that <laughs> my other kind of learning is never undertake an M&A or like, a, like an acquisition the way that Elon has done Twitter. So that like in my mind, now that all the dust has settled, I think the approach from start to overpaying, the bid, trying to get attention to his games in between have hurt him more than any, him and actually his asset now being Twitter more than anything else. I don't think it's actually been a, positive at all for Elon or for Twitter um, in terms of kind of outcome driven exercises here. And where to from Twitter? Um, well, you know, looking at the cash flow and losses, he's now going to have to kind of, obviously there's a lot of debt there, um, which is going to require interest payments. There is new debt there, which is going to require interest payments because the part of the purchase is going to be more debt or he's going to have to inject capital into the business or raise capital other ways um, to pay for its ongoing losses because it doesn't make money. Um, why he revitalizes the business. Um, we'll see what happens with the blue ticks, the paying <laughs> maybe money and tank ends up coming on paying five bucks or eight bucks a month. Um, you know, that's, that's the way it kind of gets some cash flow, but there's a recent poll of 80% of Twitter users and 90% saying no. Um, with a big one being around Stephen King and him having a bit of a, a um, bit of fun on, on Twitter. Um, bringing back Vine, I think is a good thing. With TikTok being in the regulator's eyes with China and data, I think bringing back Vine, which is the OG kind of short um, movie clip, which got cancelled, even though it was successful. I don't know why, but... It wasn't. It wasn't successful. Vine was a money sink at that point in time. Because money it was... sink, but its user growth was high. Yeah, it had, it had good participation rates but i guess because it was so early in that space there wasn't a lot of thought put into how to monetize something like short form video as there is now so yeah that's one of those things which is like you know digging a hole um aiming for gold and stopping a meter before gold um it's kind of they would if they'd stuck to that i think twitter would be in a different position um look and other ways elon's a smart guy he'll try and monetize it. there might be other ways um if you can get well, you know, well we're bring back my space brad <laughs> I think that guy who ended up selling it over to the Murdochs uh, is still traveling around the world with his family. So, um, back the OGs. The OGs. Um, so, look, that's my thoughts around kind of the process, my learnings, and uh, I say good luck because I don't know. I mean, bringing back Trump to the platform, Trump's invested in his own platform, Truth Social, whatever it was. Um, a bunch of people have already gone over to Rumble, they might come back. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. America's going through a pretty big, the world as a whole is going through a big kind of cigarettes, free speech, and um, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Arnie. I'll go Jolly first and I'll wrap up. Jolly. You go, you go Jolly. Yeah, I've probably got less to it than you do, Arnie. Um, probably a couple of things that I uh, I noted um, with the, the, the takeover and, and Elon in general, 
and will people pay? Will they won't pay? Well, people are always going to poll saying they won't pay because if they all say they're going to pay, then it makes it easier for them to put the price in. So it's a bit of a, I don't know, like a, a, a trade-off or a, or a standoff at the moment. But uh, I think inevitably the people that are ingrained in it and have a large following and have, you know, reliant uh, income coming from that area, then they're going to foot up the bill to pay a monthly subscription fee because they want to stay on there. And the people that don't require that, they just won't pay it and they'll have less traction, I think, with their their tweets. But um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure where that'll go, where, where, where it'll take it to. But I, I, my guess is that, yeah, there'll be people that'll pay for it because they want it and it might be more than the polls suggesting. Um, uh, Twitter, I saw a good um, a meme on Facebook, I think it was, of uh, ex-Twitter employees. There was a McDonald's that put up a, an A-frame saying, um, staff required ex Twitter employees uh, can apply. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that one. Uh, that was very, very good. And uh, another one interesting is a really good book I've read. I'm not sure if I've mentioned on the podcast before. Um, it's from Jim Collins, uh, Good to Great. Um, and he's another good one too. I've got book. Solid book. I haven't read that yet. Um, so, yeah, good to great. I've read um, really, really uh, cool books. So I'd, I'd suggest that. I listened to him on a podcast the other day. He doesn't do a lot of podcasts. So, um, we might try and get him on ours, maybe. But, um, the. Uh, <laughs> oh, you just gave me a great idea. Remind me at 50 50, Tom. I will. So, he doesn't listen to, he doesn't do a lot of podcasts, but he, can't, he went on this podcast, The Tim Ferriss Show, which was really interesting. I think it was a recast. And he spoke about, making companies good to great and what it means and how they work and how they operate. And usually what he's found is the level five leaders, there is, um, it's not all reliant on them and they create the culture and they've got the, the uh, unbiased personality and no ego, but the, the company is a, is a self-fulfilling prophecy that will continue on without them being there. What, what do we think Elon is with Twitter and, and Tesla? What, if, what happens if something happens to Elon? Where do those stocks go? Are you throwing to me and Brad to give I'm, an opinion? I'm asking, yeah, I'm asking you guys. I reckon, I love that question. I think we might have even talked about this before with regard to Tesla, that I think there's a huge key man risk with Elon where if he were, at the, actually at this point where Tesla is, if he, if he left, I think the stock would suffer a short-term uh, dump. But then long-term, I think it would be fine. I think the vision is firmly in place there. Um, whether or not the same level of innovation will be driven by existing executives, I don't know. But I, let's put it this way. I'd rather have him there than not have him there. Uh, with Twitter, it's because it's in such a volatile stage. Uh, I feel like if he, were to, if he were to leave that now, that would be a sinking ship. That would be dead in the water. But I feel like while he's there, it's got a better than you know, uh, more than zero chance to survive and thrive. Yeah, it's, 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 it's yeah, just, uh, I guess, uh, the risk you weigh up when you're running a company and you're the the, the, the head honcho and the chief cook and bottle washer and you're, you're, the, you're the, the spokesman. Um, and, you know, if something happens to his health or something happens to him, then, you know, where does that leave the company? And Arnie answered that one quite well, I think, with Tesla, feeling like they've got enough inertia there and they've got enough, um, um, in innovation, um, but Twitter possibly not. Um, what do you, let Brad, let Brad have a say. What do you reckon? I was going to say in SpaceX as well, and uh, so SpaceX I think requires Elon because still in the stage of commercializing Starlink, 
and Starship. Um, you got to remember, like Space SpaceX is going to be the biggest company by far in terms of market valuation. I reckon the next three or five years ahead of Tesla. Um, Tesla needs another year or two, I think, before. I think Arnie, you're right. I think it's far enough down the track that it may be okay. Um, but I think it needs at least another year or two to kind of cement um, and get through kind of the turbulent times we're going through at the moment. Um, and Twitter, I even with Elon there, I think without Elon there, it's going to be a sinking ship. Even with Elon there, I think it's going to be probably a sinking ship. That's my kind of mm-hmm. opinions. But I really just want to touch on really quickly something, um, Jolly, that you're talking about, which is Jim Collins. Um, funny one, because our first client of Hammertech in the US is a company called DPR Construction, which is a top, top 10 uh, construction company in the US. And before Jim Collins wrote his book, he was just kind of like a, um, a business consultant. And, um, and DPR, started by Doug, Peter, and Ron, um, they grew to about a $3 billion a year business and then grew too fast. And so kind of, you know, didn't scale properly, didn't have all the right stuff, you know, the right management and the right kind of process in place. And then he, uh, he came in and they basically said, uh, you know, create a 2020 plan, which was about 15, 20 years ago, um, to become like, you know, exactly what you were talking about, not just you know, a great company, like focus on one thing, hedgehog. Um, and so that those three could walk away and that business can, can keep going. And now it's kind of like a $10 billion a year business. And so just, just funny because uh, that guy's like an oracle over there. Um, and it's a good, good guy to kind of look up. I'll, I'll come, I'll bring it back now to Twitter just so I can give my thoughts on all of that. But I actually think it's instructive for us to talk about Elon and Elon's companies when talking about Twitter because I think we've mentioned them all, but we haven't mentioned the boring company. And there's also a number of other companies that Elon has uh, significant stakes in or has been connected to things like Stripe payment processing. Obviously, he was part of PayPal back in the day. Um, and there's a, there's a whole bunch of other ones. Like he's got, a, he's got his fingers in a lot of pies, old Elon. Yeah, go on. Neuralink. Oh, yeah, Neuralink as well. Spot on, Brad. Hey, go on, Jolly. Not a flamethrower? Isn't that... That's from the boring company, I think, wasn't it? The flamethrower, yeah. Good product, though. He recently, he recently sold uh, a perfume from, from the boring company called Burnt Hair, and it sold out. Did you, did you guys see that? Anyway, the reason, why, the reason why I mention all of those and why I think it's important to um, the discussion around Twitter is because Elon in the past has sort of floated the idea of having... Uh, some interconnection or, or some sort of reliance between all of these companies. And I feel like Twitter might be the glue that will, that will serve to hold all of those um, companies together. And what, let me just like, just, just sort of going with it, like a, a far pie in the sky example here. Uh, people sometimes refer to Tesla as not just a car company, but an AI robotics company. And I know they're, they're trying to delve into the, you know, the humanoid robot. So if you think about all the different, services that elon's currently offering he's got the robot which is the car and the humanoid robot coming from tesla he's got the internet connectivity and capability with satellites and starlink with spacex he's got the boring company which in theory might be creating these hyperloops for the cars to drive in which will be connected you know via internet in between the tunnel and the car he's got Neuralink, which is i think I don't even know how that's going to fit in. Obviously, it's going to be something about transhumanism where we become like cyborgs or further cyborgs. Some people already argue we are transhuman because we're so connected to our phones all the time. Um, and I think that's like the next step. And then the other one, which, is, which hasn't been there, is this kind of interface, if, if you will. 
And I think Twitter could be the interface for all of those projects. Like you could have it running on every single system and be like what he refers to as the town hall or the place of public opinion. And I think that's what he wants it to be. So just, just going, I just want to quickly go over a quick, very quick background to how we sort of got here. And it was um, Elon announced um, very early, I think it was, it was January 31 that he had acquired 9.2% of Twitter's stock. And then on, um, in early April, so I think it was around 4 April, he was invited to a board position because he had, he had I think he could only go up to 14.9% ownership stake at that point in time. On the 14th of April, he made that, um, that offer of 43 or $44 billion, 54.20 a share to take a private. Um, he then tried to hold, there was a hold on the, on the, on the uh, transaction where he said that, you know, there was a bot issue and he had all these, had all these issues with discovering um, actual numbers for the bots. Then on July 8th, he had a, a withdrawal attempt. He tried to get out of it by saying there was a material breach in several parts of the agreement um, and he wasn't happy. Long story short, there was a revitalization of the bid on October 3 because all the things were sort of coming to a head with the Delaware Court of Chancery. And a lot of the FinTwit um, lawyers and, and commentators were saying that he was dead in the water and didn't have a chance to get out of it. And then, as we know, he's now completed the purchase for the full price of 54.20. There's actually some really great content on Twitter itself um, by this fellow called uh, Compound248. You can go and look at some of his commentary around it. As Brad mentioned, I think uh, we all would have been very happy to participate in the arbitrage because if you go back to that time frame I was just talking about between March, so it was January or February when Elon was uh, acquiring it got as low as $33 a share. And then even during the process where it was known that he was, you know, going to acquire it, it got as low as 36 and uh, 3681 a share. So that would have been an excellent arbitrage. I was too scared to do it. I thought that perhaps um, Elon might find a way to get out of that transaction because as we've commented in the past, we all think he overpaid for it. But it's sort of given me a new uh, train of thought or a look around the other big arbitrage that's currently underway in the market, which I see, and this is, you know, not investment advice, do your own research, do your own due diligence. It's generally in nature here at Money in the Tank, as we always say. But uh, January 18, 2022, Microsoft announced their plans to acquire Activision Blizzard for $95 a share, totaling $69 billion. That was what they were going to acquire it for. Currently, um, Activision is trading at, as of the, as of the last close, $72.66 USD. However, this particular acquisition is not meant to complete until 2023, mid-2023, I think July. And uh, Brad was saying earlier before the pod that this is due to some regulation in the UK about the acquisition, the Competition and Markets Authority. So they're having a look at it to make sure it goes through. Again, there's a risk there that it doesn't uh, eventuate. But if it does, that's another good arbitrage opportunity that's available in the market currently. So those are my thoughts on Twitter and where it's going to go. And we'll, we'll, you know, just touching again, I guess, I guess on what Brad said at the start, will he be able to monetize it? Uh, I think the reason, and maybe the only reason that he's got the backing he's got to purchase it for 44 billion is because of the potential to recreate Vine and how profitable that could be. And we all know that there's discussions in the US market at the moment to potentially ban Vine from that market and oh, other, other markets might follow. So yeah, go ahead, Brad. You mean TikTok? Ben TikTok. What did I say? Ben Vine. Oh, I said Ben Vine. Yeah, sorry, not Ben Vine. Vine will be fine. Ben, 
Vine will be fine. They're going to ban TikTok. Yeah, but I think I think that's the go. I think Vine. Yeah, a bit early, but now that they're still they've still got all the all the architecture and software, and they could come back with a vengeance. I'm going to pay some bucks there, but that's all right. Um, 2016, <laughs> though, um, the code base, a lot has changed since 2016. Just FYI. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, I mean, those are our thoughts, our last thoughts. I mean, we may, let's be honest, Elon's a, a subject every week. Um, we may talk about Twitter again, but uh, at the same time. Um, so, moving on. Uh, RBA, FOMIC, so Australia and US. Rates, 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 rates. Okay, we're not doing a whole rates episode. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> Jolly, going to throw it to you, mate. Um, yeah, quick, RBA, what's happening? FOMIC. Quickfire quick rates items. So uh, RBA this week, uh, first uh, Tuesday of every month. So it fell on Melbourne Cup Day. Uh, the RBA snuck in at 25 basis point rise. So I think the analysts had sort of thought of 50, there's a 50-50 chance of a 25 and a 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was going to be a 25 um, and then probably last meeting for the year will be another 25 will be my guess. And then they, they break in January, but who knows if they know they're breaking in January and they feel like they want to kind of give some, give uh, the consumers a little bit more worry about uh, Christmas, they might go a 50 basis point to slow, try to slow people down a little bit, the, uh, the shopping aisles. Um, so yeah. And then the, um, the Fed as well. So Fed uh, last night, 75 basis points. So uh, Jerome Powell, Fed Chairman, quite hawkish in terms of saying that they'll keep on fighting inflation and they, uh, you know, don't listen to rhetoric that they're they're going to ease off. They want to keep on making sure that they don't uh, they keep inflation at bay and and try not to have it ingrained and and stay in the economy, which we've spoken about. It's uh, sticky inflation is not good um, because people start to expect higher wages, people start to pay higher prices, businesses continue to ask for higher prices. And it becomes a sticking uh, mentality and, and continues to go around in that way, which is not a good thing. So, um, and yeah, closer to home, the RBA. So they raised 25 to 2.85%. So the RBA, with that 75 basis point, guys, off the cuff, that brings them into the fours now. Is that right? Uh, so, yeah. So the range for the Federal Open Market Committee and the Fed is now 375 to 4%. Uh, they've got another meeting in December. And yep. obviously, they've got the midterm election soon like next week isn't it brad uh it's next week what is or it? the week after i think it's the week after yeah so that's happening and then i mean it's, it's already early voting um yeah yeah and the reason i guess I, I wanted to mention the differentiation between the rates they're obviously completely different countries and economies but the way they lend i believe in america is there's a lot more people with fixed loans so it takes a, a higher um, rate rise to try to impact the economy, both from a business borrowing sensitivity and a variable rate sensitivity. Whereas in Australia, it's more the other way. The vast majority of people have the variable loans, although there's a bit of an aberration from last year and the year before because people were fixing because they couldn't really go any lower. And as those fixes come off, people will flick over to variable. So that's why the RBA rate is not necessarily as high as some of the other countries. Uh, the US is an example. Um, because we've got a lot, they've got a lot more um, when they do a, a, a rate rise, um, a sort of tightening of monetary policy, it impacts the consumer in a in a more magnified way because there's a larger contingent of variable borrowers out there, albeit uh, at this point in time, less so. And they're actually hoping, I, I think the, the RBA is wanting to that 2023 to come around so those fixed rates come off because there's people living in a two-speed economy out there where they're you know, living on 2020 rates um, and the rates are nowhere near that now. So 
Um, that'll definitely have an impact, I think, uh, moving forward on inflation because you can only tighten so much and impact variable holders so much and businesses so much when there's a lot of fixed contingent coming up due next year as well. And a few towards the end of this year, I think, are coming due as well. So uh, any thoughts to that, Brad? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's that we're probably going to go into at least another, I think, another 50 here in Australia. I mean, I thought this one was going to be 25 just because... There's been a lot of headwind. There's been a lot of rate rises. Um, and it was between kind of the inflation numbers that came out, which should have driven a 50 versus slow and steady. I just think with the Eurozone numbers coming out at 10.7, um, the US numbers coming out stronger and raising 75. Um, I think we may be in for a 50 at the end of the year, kind of where I am at the moment, and try and head into the new year with that kind of mindset that they're really trying to get this under control. Um, I think... Seeing the Eurozone out at 10.7 now is a bit scary because, <laughs> you know, you start to, uh, there's nothing good coming um, in terms of the next. Efficient uh, in the Eurozone. 100%. 100%. I mean, they've got, they've got the Ukraine war, they've got the energy sector, which is paying 20 times the amount of gas and the rest of it. But Australians, a few things like Australian gas is at the international rates now, um, unless we do some stuff around legislation, which we won't because of the international investment into our energy sector. So oil and gas is on the international market in Australia, um, which will come back and kind of bite us. Um, I think, depending on what happens with wheat and the rest of it, I just think there, I mean, every country is different. Every region of the world is different. Um, just not really seeing anywhere at the moment where inflation is really kind of getting kind of under control. And that probably goes back to Arnie to kind of our conversation. Which is a obviously um, the monetary policy of, of central governments is the only stick that they have, and that takes a while to kind of kick in, especially with kind of record amounts of kind of offset accounts or savings and the rest of it. Um, read a stat: American savings are down from it was supposed to be two point one trillion, but they made a mistake. It was one point nine. It's already down to I think nine hundred million now. Um, auto loans in the US are now the highest rate of um, default that they've been since the GFC. So I feel like we're getting to the point, but I'm still not seeing that we are at the point yet where um, kind of the, the steam is getting ripped out of the market. Um, and that's the only tool they're using, right? And the other side is supply side. And I'm not really seeing anything on the kind of geopolitics side that's kind of helping, going to be lead. I mean, the northern uh, kind of top half of the earth where most of the stuff happens is all going into winter now. Um, and so, you know, it's probably going to be some, some bigger things in Europe. So... Look, my thoughts are um, kind of you know, brace plan for some more. And um, I'm glad that we're in Australia, to be honest. I think we're probably teed up one of the best in the world in terms of the ability to kind of to respond to it. Um, our population, our kind of general goods that we've got in the country, we grow more than we, you know, we, we're a, um, a net exporter of nearly everything from resources to food to everything so um i'd rather be here let's just say that was my thoughts arnie yeah i mean we've talked about this ad nauseum but it's it's very relevant and important that um we have to keep raising rates because demand destruction is the only tool we've got in the short term to combat inflation however we've all acknowledged that we think it's um supply chain driven and in particular the energy shock that's sort of reverberating through the world economy or the bifurcation of global economies because of the war in the russia and ukraine so um, the only way that's going to ease in the mid to long term is through different energy policy. I know our government has been talking about how they're going to address the concerns that 
energy is going to energy costs are going to rise 50 percent year over year and i know that they've talked about um how they're going to uh, maybe have some sort of new projects going on especially <clears throat> pardon me especially in our state in victoria i know there's talk about uh, southern star project and renewables projects and how that's going to go to address our concerns for energy um, creation and storage here so as long i think most governments around the world have sort of seen the writing on the wall and they're working towards a solution but it's just in the mid to short term short term short to midterm before we get over that hump where they're going to um, have to eat the pain a little bit and just, you know, I agree with Brad. I'm really happy we're in Australia where we're pretty self-sufficient. Feel for the people in Europe um, and, uh, the, you know, the middle part of the world where it's going to be a bit harder for that, that short period of time. But interestingly, um, this environment that you're talking about, Brad, that we're in is a bit of a, I think it's a bit of an odd one, in, a unique one in the history because I think it's the only time in history where equity markets and bond markets have tumbled like greater than 10% at the same time. Normally, they sort of offset one another. And there was actually an interesting turn of events with um, the bond market in America in the last week or so where there were no bids on the 10-year treasury. So there was a pivot in some sense, not from the Fed in terms of going, you know, like cutting rates, but in um, from the US treasury saying that they were going to sell short-term, you know, between three-month and two-year notes to fund a bit of uh, a small amount of QE to, to inject some liquidity into those 10 and 30 year notes. And so it's a very similar situation to what you and I discussed mm -hmm. uh, with what occurred in the UK economy. Um, and yeah, if that, if that market dries up, if we don't have any um, liquidity in those, in those particular markets, that could be a huge, huge domino effect into a crisis like we saw, maybe worse than what we saw in 2008 uh, with the GFC. So uh, it's just something that I'm keeping an eye on. Um, yeah, yields keep inverting. I know you've been watching it. so. Yeah, I think I got I got a few comments from from Powell um, in my rapid fire news, and I think he might have even said something about uh, inversion in the in, in the FOMC, but I haven't listened to it. You know, and bond markets are usually the defensive kind of category that you go into when uh, you know equity markets are heading down. It's just been the age old kind of strategy, right? Um, you know, for percentage split in both, and you're all right. Um, with bond markets down thirty five percent. Not so good. Um, and again, I, I, I'm not all doom and gloom. I just think the next six to nine months is going to be a kind of like a, a bit of a reckoning, a bit of a um, who knows if it's just going to be like as hard as it is now, a bit harder uh, where some of this stuff starts hitting. Um, I think we'll come out the other side. Completely. Yeah, for sure. But like, there's no doubt about that. It's just more of, I think with the uh, the winter coming in and all the kind of different global storms going on, I think it's just going to be a bit of a, a bumpy ride. Batten down the hatches could be a little bit of ups and downs and turbulence over the next uh, six months, which I agree with. Uh, so I thought we'd just keep on touch, on point with the RBA and the Fed rates and uh, obviously the European inflation story as well, because it's quite relevant, quite um, you know noticeable at the moment when you're going down the street and you're seeing things that are more increased in cost or your coffee or your trades or your materials there. They're all up. So if you're traveling, if you're traveling, um, just be wary that the... Uh... When, when the Fed raises rates by 75 basis points in Australia, stays at 25, then there is obviously going to be more um, interest or demand to put money into kind of US cash accounts, the rest of it, which creates demand on that currency and less on ours. Generally, that means the Australian dollar will depreciate, go down. Um, uh, one last one before we jump into uh, the news, and then the 50-50 is um, I was having a 
uh, a beer with a mate over the weekend, part of the Singapore group, and uh, his wife's Japanese, and she headed back. And he's like, good time to be travelling to Japan at the moment, getting 150 yen to the US dollar. That currency is in some troubles. Um, But uh, due to the US dollar, largely in the native um, money printing. So interesting. Well, that's one. That's one of the countries that's um, creating the selling pressure in those in those U.S. Treasury notes. Um, they've been selling it to try and stabilize the, the currency. So, so much. and China as well. So, yeah. I think between China, look, U.S. Before we go, uh, international bond, U.S.A. bond holders. Well, Brad. Well, Brad's looking that up. I was going to say as a as a tidbit here, we'll wait to the end of the calendar year for our predictions from last year. And I can't remember if we guessed what the rates might be, but I think we'll all be a little bit off maybe with the rates. Uh, yeah, I think we'll all be off. <laughs> all right, Japan. Japan owns 1.2 trillion and mainland China is second. So Japan's number one in bond holdings and mainland China is number two, which is at 1 trillion. That's gone below that now. So as like I think last week they announced that yeah, it's this the is first... July. This is of July twenty-two. Yeah. So I think both of them now have gone under a trillion because they've been selling that's how much they've been selling. So there's a lot of selling going on in both those markets. Interesting time. So selling, right. selling the bonds out in US dollars to create more supply of US dollars to help uh, lower the US dollar price for the listeners out there to create supply side so that the US dollar doesn't impact them uh, so much. Indeed. Spot on, mate. Spot oh, I'll, qu- I'll quickly do rapid fire and we'll jump rapid into 50 So um these are the these are my talking points. So uh the tough talking pal wiped out 59 billion from the biggest fortunes with his speech. And uh Musk, who gets a mention every news, and he gets another one, he lost nine billion in an hour and a half. So there you go. How much is uh, Zuck down though? Zuck's down a hundred bill. Well, Zuck, I don't know. If you want to talk about meta, if you actually look at last year's selling across equities, Zuck sold a lot of his shares last year at the very top. Smart uh, man. So he probably he has probably lost a lot, but um, and he's obviously. I wish we maybe do an episode on meta because he he absolutely believes in his vision for VR and, and AR. And but the guy, uh, no, we should do an episode on it because the guy is at the end of the day. I hate the guy, but he's smart. So. I uh, I'm 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 on board with him. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm one of the only people that thinks he is in the right and he's got the correct vision for Meta. Well, but the, but... when he paid twenty billion for um WhatsApp and one billion for Instagram, everyone was saying he's literally insane. And yeah, bang. yeah. Well, I I, I just anyway, feel like sorry, quick fly, quick fly. Yeah, we'll, oh, we'll come back to that one. But yeah, I'm, I'm with Zuck. I'm riding with Zuck on that one. Um, Powell said at some point it will be appropriate to slow rate hikes, but not now. But he actually made that statement. Oof. Uh, the Fed's Gundlach said 75 basis point Fed hike next time as base case. So sorry, no, no 75 basis points. So he's saying that the next meeting, they will not have a 75 point basis hike as the base case. So does that mean that higher or lower? I think he means <laughs> lower. Um, but he's also, and so back to Elon Musk, he has been in the news that he's going to try and um, eliminate 50% of jobs at Twitter. Uh, that's 3,700 approximate jobs to... Uh, to end the work from anywhere policy, which they had in place, and also to try and really address the the operational costs. And uh, in some geopolitical news, North Korea has continued to fire um, unidentified ballistic missiles, yeah, towards the East Sea across Japan. So tensions rising there. Boys. That said, there's also uh, 180 jets flying around in South Korea, with 120 of them being US. So there is a bit of stable rattling on both sides. Yeah. Um, with that said, don't get me wrong, like, that's crazy. But at the same time, uh, there is a little bit of a uh, rattling. 
before we before we get into Jolly's 50-50, I just want to remind I, I'm reminded of an idea about what Jolly said earlier about getting someone on the pod. You're talking about getting that famous author on. I think we should make it our mission over the next 50 episodes that we all pick one person who would be like a dream podcast yeah, guest. No, no, well, there's no way. I'm not going to shoot for the moon, mate. Mate, he's my he's my ultimate, but I'm gonna I, I would love to get someone on like um just a duck. No, I want Galley from Hyperchange. I want to speak to Galley from Hyperchange. I don't uh, know who that is, but anyway. Yeah, you look up Hyperchange on YouTube. He's one of my favorite YouTubers. Um, he's a big Tesla fanboy. I would love to get him on and interview him. So you guys don't have to come up with one now, but if you have one, if you have one, we should make it our aim to try and get I like um, those people. And one other thing is, Brad, you and I still have set ourselves a challenge, and Joel, you're welcome to participate as well in this, of creating the thesis for value investors club and then trying to submit it to see if we can gain hey, access it's, on my, it's actually on my to-do list still yeah, so yeah i've got to do that I too so i haven't forgotten about that one over the christmas break when i got some free time i'm going to try and real really knuckle down with that one so indeed yeah. just, uh, holding ourselves accountable yeah jolly 50 50 thanks for the quick fire items arm dog great uh great to hear so i'm going to share screen right now and uh go through and bring up something that we'll all be accustomed to if we can see the screen right now, is Cadbury favourites. Oh, so yes. For those listening out there, it's not a 50-50 today, so what's your choice? And uh, we got some of these favourites the other day as a gift, and then Halloween, obviously, candy-themed as well. Um, you know, test uh, the, uh, the, the the Australian cricket at the moment. So it's just Australian-themed podcast today with a half century. <laughs> so I wanted to come up with um, and, and throw to the audience and throw to you guys is which three are you picking as your top Three. Three. Ooh. And which, which one are you leaving in the box? <laughs> That's easy. I could do that one straight which up. Which one's staying in the box? So let's firstly do uh, top three. So for me, I'd be grabbing uh, the Flake, um, the Picnic, and the Crunchy would be my three. Um, in not particular order, probably probably the Picnic first. Mm, Brattles? I'll be going the uh, Boost first, Picnic second, Flake third. All right, I would also be going boost first, flake man, second. Arnie, good man. Flake second, and uh, I'd be going the dairy milk caramello third. For a bit of just round out of regular oh, chocolate oh. milk, I like the. the and, and the pack I had the other day, the caramello wasn't actually in there. It was uh, they replaced it with old gold, the uh, dark chocolate. chocolate. Oh, bro, I, I love a bit of old gold. So if, old that, gold if that was in there, that'd be my third as well. And I, I think I think it goes without saying for me, Morrow <laughs> staying in the box, or you could say Turkish delight staying in the box. But me, Morrow was... every day of the week. I don't mind, I actually don't mind a Turkish delight. I know it sounds like I'm a disgusting human being. <laughs> Morrow, come I I like real Turkish delight. That Cabri pink Turkish delight is an abomination, and I would never <laughs> touch it. I will eat Morrow till the cows come home. Before Turkish delight, and Morrow is the second worst chocolate in the box. So we've got we've got two Morrows for the left in the box and a Turkish delight. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, I, I, I mate, I hate Turkish delight with with a five or thousand sons. Cabri, if you're listening, what yeah. are you doing? And, <laughs> and I, I'm white, Brad. I, I didn't. I don't mind a Turkish delight, but I I won't reach for it usually. I used to like a no, I think I've gone. I think I've gone off them a bit, but Morrow. I don't, you're not even a chocolate bar. So. <laughs> it's, like, what, it's like, what are you? you, go, you I'm with box. you. You're like, you're finding, you're like. How can we just made this chocolate up just to say, this is our version of Mars bar. But it's... Know, hopefully, hopefully no one notices. <laughs> and then everyone notices. Yeah, How I mean, about... Turkish delight, you, you, you don't go in for it first. But if you get it, eh, pass can it. We, can we just address the mediocre one? The one that no one discussed at all, didn't even get a mention, was the dream. The white chocolate got zero. It's not really chocolate. 
Well, it's well, white chocolate's chocolate, isn't it? No, what do you mean? You don't, I, oh, so you're well, now that we've addressed it, now this has opened a whole other can of worms. I think white chocolate's chocolate, it's different, but it's, it's still not. chocolate. No, no, but it's not because it doesn't use cacao, so it's not chocolate, mate. It's white chocolate, very debatable. <laughs> you're <laughs> calling it white chocolate. We'd love to hear not. what uh, what the listeners' top threes are, and we'd love to hear and what, whether or not what they're leaving in the box. White chocolate is chocolate. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not milk chocolate. It's white chocolate. It's white it's chocolate. It's got no cacao. No what cacao. is that? It's a white chocolate, mate. We'll have, to take this off, we'll have to take this offline and we'll come back to give the definition <laughs> of what is chocolate and what is not. I'm going to put at the end of this video a definition of chocolate. And, uh... <laughs> right, guys, but, um, thanks for listening into the episode, uh, 50th episode today, guys. We, uh, we hope you enjoyed. We've run a little bit over time, which we tend to do when we get carried away and we uh, enjoy <laughs> Bring all the uh, bring all the material to you guys today. So uh, yeah, hit us up. Uh, where can they get us at, Arnie? At Money in the Tank on YouTube, Twitter. Thank you, Elon, Instagram, and Facebook. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, <laughs> we're looking to come back next week for episode fifty-one, starting off the new half a century on the way to our full one hundred century <laughs> episode. So uh, we'll get there. Looking forward to it. And uh, thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you all. Thanks. See you, boys. See you boys. Cheers.